Indeed. All right. So just hold on. Pause. Step back one step for me. Please tell me someone's title is chief chicken officer. Uh, I'm chief chicken tender. That is tender. We'll get into there's a, you know, our service network. We've launched part of our business and it's a service component for backyard ag. They are the chicken tenders because what else would we call them? That's Obviously. that's incredible. If that's on a business card somewhere, you win okay. all, yeah, all the awards. To custom .com that's sure. awesome. Welcome to Texas Rising, a show that explores the driving forces behind the financial phenomenon that is the Texas miracle. Join your hosts, business leaders and dads, Jeff Bailey and Ben Coleman, as they bring you luminaries from across the great state of Texas to talk business, culture, public policy, and much more. And now, coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas, this is Texas Rising. Welcome to 2023 and the next season of Texas Rising. We're here with two rising stars in Austin. But before we get to that, Jeff, Happy New Year. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, buddy. Happy New Year to you. I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas together and then had a great New Year. Yeah, well, you guys did a great job over December with our cold snap. Thank you for keeping our power on. I was talking to Peter Lake throughout the experience, and he seemed to be happy with it. But you guys and your encore folks out and about keeping things going kept us warm through those holidays. So thanks. Yeah, for there, there was a there was a real cold snap there for several days, but you know our, our crews were working around the clock, and and thankfully it wasn't as big of an event as we thought it might be. But you know, Chairman Lake and the folks at the PUC were, were on top of things, so it was great. Well, we're back to talk entrepreneurship in Texas. Those of you who have been listening for a while know we were talking about the space race and hypersonics last time around. Coming back to Earth now and talking about backyard chicken coops. We've got AJ and Jordan, who are the founders of Coop down in Austin. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you for having us. And by the way, the cold snap was, I'm glad it wasn't the same one that we had what, two two Februarys ago? Although that cold snap has a very interesting influence in me being part of this company. Actually. Oh, do tell. Right. Let's walk into do that. Tell. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, I was thinking, I was like, oh, this might be a nice little segue. So that was February 21, correct? And mm -hmm. we, AJ and I are business partners and colleagues of 12 years. He'll get into it with our last company, his last company. But so we've known each other for a long time. We were skiing with a group up in Breckenridge in February of 21 when the terrible snowmageddon hit Texas. <laughs> And we, and, you know, my husband was like back in Texas, snowed in with my family. Everyone was, you know, panicking. We were on the mountain, just, you know, carving blissfully. AJ was desperate to get back to Texas because of the chickens. And he had no, he's like, what do I, there's nothing. I don't know how I can take care of them. I don't know. My cameras aren't working. There's no power. I have to, I have to take care of them. And so we were planes, trains, automobiles trying to get, fly from, fly into a blizzard, basically, mm. into Texas. But it was kind of a pivotal moment we look back at. The reason we'll get into why Coop kind of solves for a lot of these things, but it was kind of the, I think, genesis or the kind of tipping point of him thinking about this idea and then starting to really take it seriously and build around it. And so, yeah, Snowmageddon was, we just happened to be together that weekend as well. But that freeze wiped out, like, more than 50% of the chickens in Texas or something ridiculous. Is wow. that right? I mean, and this is very topical for what's happening right now, happening right now with the egg shortage and yeah. with the bird flu of, you know, 2022. But I think it's solidified. I don't want to speak yeah. for the chief chicken officer here, but- I We took a seven hour Uber drive from Dallas <laughs> to Austin. 
It was. Did you really? Deserves <laughs> that in of itself. Like up, down, left, right. I got kicked out of United Lounge at some point. It was terrible. And chickens are all okay. Chickens, no chickens good. were. Chickens well, you, you know the best solution is just fly to Cancun and pull out Ted Cruz with the chickens. Clearly, they would have been. The solution. most crazy thing you've ever seen. It was bold. Like, it was, it was bold. bold. Like political comments aside, that is bold crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Please tell me someone's title is chief chicken officer. I'm chief chicken tender. That is. Tender, we'll get into, there's a, you know, our service network, we've launched part of our business and it's a service component for backyard ag. They are the chicken tenders because what else would we call them? That's, that's incredible. If that's on a business card somewhere, you win all all the awards. That's awesome. Yeah, we, I think you can, can talk to kind of solidified or accelerated this idea that had been kicked around in your head. And now, however, almost two years later, we're actually doing it for real. And March 15th is around the corner. That's awesome. Well, let's start at the top. Let's just talk about the backyard chicken movement in America. How many chickens are there? What what is the market here? If we go, go, let's go a little bit further back. So like Jordan and I come from tech company backgrounds. We used to run a company in Silicon Valley in on-demand service space. So like anytime you would break your phone, you press a button, we send someone to your home or office, they would fix it or do like smart home installs, built that company to a couple thousand technicians in a couple, a couple countries, sold it to Allstate. And it was was like, he's probably spent five, Jordan worked with us for or worked with me for five years, sold it. And so like the whole idea is like, how do we work on stuff we're super passionate about? And I, I we're getting to the, we're, but I think, are you 34? We're the exact same age. Okay. We're both 34. <laughs> um, Quick reminder, we're the same we're, age. We're getting- You're we're spring getting, chickens compared to me and Jeff. Yeah, spring chickens. So right. We're getting to the age where I think we want to work on stuff that like is fun. We're passionate about with people we love. And, and the whole idea is like, how do we build a system that anyone with a backyard can raise chickens. And so what does that include? It includes like, obviously like the world's best chicken coop. It includes services. So like anytime you travel or, or it's basically like, if you think of WAG or Rover for backyard services, so it would be food delivery, chicken check-ins, which is like basically chicken welfare checks, delivery and setup, day-old chick delivery. So it's like, it basically enables anyone who wants to raise chickens to be able to. And I, like, I believe in a world where anyone that wants to be able to do this should be able to do that. And then what we're trying to do is we take backyard agriculture and bridge it with like smart home technology. That includes like cameras doing computer vision, automatic doors. And so like your, your phone basically allows you to like help raise chickens, teach your kids about entrepreneurship, uh, teach your kids about like you take care of them, they take care of you. And then like the byproduct is literally... If you have five chickens, it's 1,300 eggs a year. It's like, over, like wow. People don't realize the average hen lays about one egg a day. If you have five chickens, you're, you're basically getting like, call it two to three dozen eggs a week. And our goal is like, how do we how do we build a system for anyone to be able to do that? Which is how we started Coop. And like the company's called Coop. We'll probably, Jordan alluded to this. I will launch publicly in a couple months, but we just think it's hilarious. Like life is too short to not work on stuff that's not yeah. fun and fun and funny, I think. Totally. It's hilarious and it's, you know, unconventional, but I, you know, the more and more, the deeper we get into it, it's like, this is really, there's just something so powerful and, you know, tying it to kind of what's going on right now. I'm sure the egg shortage and what you've seen with the cost of eggs rising. And it's kind of, it's a moment that should be talked about and kind of just the, we are so reliant on these kind of old food systems. And it's not just about 
there's so many other benefits, both tangible and intangible that come with raising chickens. I don't know how old your kids are, but kids and chickens, there is just no greater pure joy and like the mm-hmm. teaching them about the circle of life. And, you know, internally we kind of- Aside from flying a, that actually probably- <laughs> <laughs> Well, seeing a chicken fly is pretty awesome too, so. <laughs> but we kind of call it like this dirt and worms education and without being too hokey and, you know, kind of like, oh, back in my day, but really reconnecting us with the dirt under our feet, the food on our table, There we've become, you know, this is way long-term vision thinking, but how do we make backyard to table a reality for all? Because we're so reliant on these food systems that are so volatile. They're not good for us. They're bullshit businesses, Like, but we are. I mean, I don't want to go against big poultry, but kind of maybe, right? Yeah. And so if you look at all of the health benefits and, you know, they're 20 times the nutrient density of farm fresh eggs are 20 times the nutrient density of what we buy at the store. AJ will in a second talk to you about this really funny thing that you will look for every time you go to the grocery store now. But, and it's the pet that wow. lives an egg and you know the kids are swimming with the chickens like they really do they're like tiny dinosaurs they have hilarious personalities they teach you about the circle of life and they give you breakfast and really nutrient dense amazing breakfast and so if we can you know our kind of first tiny dent in that is creating what we call the world's best chicken coop and making it easy for anybody if you have a backyard you can have chickens and you can create food for your family that is health and cost and all the things better. So I'm, I'm glad y'all and y'all broached this this topic. So I've got several questions on the egg shortage as well as just kind of avian flu in general over the past couple of months. But I guess up front, help me understand, it doesn't seem like this would be a particularly capital intensive business for for folks to get into. Am I wrong on that? Or help, help me understand. I, I know very little. Yeah. So it's actually, it's not. Uh, so like right now, like how, how I think it works right now is you go to Tractor Supply or Amazon, you order a coop, it's a couple hundred bucks. You can order chickens online. People don't realize you can order day-old chicks and you say, hey, I want these three breeds and then USPS will ship them. The day, they, the day they're born, they'll like literally ship them through the postal service. They call it <laughs> at 5 a.m. the next Aren't day. Are they like the largest transporter of live yeah. trailers yeah. USPS? So USPS? Is that right? the largest handler of chickens in the world. And so they call you at 5 a.m. and they say, hey, Jeff, your chicks are here. And you show up at the post office, you pick up pick up your day-old chicks. They're, they're called $5 or $10 each, depending on what breeds you get. You feed them starter. Like it's actually super, super easy to get started. The One of the things we're trying to solve for is there's a, there is a lot like apprehension for people because they're like, I don't know how to start. I don't know what coop to get. I don't know what to feed them. I don't know if my backyard's enough. I don't know what predators are. The goal that we want to make, so the company's called Coop. The goal we want to make with Coop is how do we make it accessible for anyone? And so what, what that means is like, we'll literally take care of services, delivery setup, building right now we're building, we're excited to show it that show it to the world, but we're building the world's best chicken coop. And then we're, we're doing like a membership. So think of like Peloton. So you like, you pay a monthly fee and we take care of everything. And it comes with like, you know, services, all these value adds, but think about, you know, the pet industry. There's not, a, I mean, there is, there are things you need to know about having a dog, a fish, pet, I mean, any cat, but chickens have just, they are a little lot more education and just more insight. And how do you, if you're, you know, truly doing it for egg production, what are the best breeds? There's just a lot more knowledge and learning and education that goes into it. And, you know, we've talked to 
advisors that have worked with, you know, large pet supply companies. That is one of the main reasons that big retail or big pet retail have hasn't really gone full bore into chickens. Because there is such a gap, you really have to have a deep knowledge of chickens, their behavior, the, you know, you're creating foods. So you have to understand how that works. And if a, if a chicken is sick, how does that impact eggs? How does that impact, you know, there's a myriad of things. And so if we can create, you know, a product that is beautiful and amazing and feels like a great experience and technology that feels effortless and kind of, you know, shepherds you along the way, and then you create food for your family and you have, you know, a, you know, a pet that you know, kind of poops eggs, there's just no greater win. So I was doing some research before this and in Dallas, apparently you can have five chickens in your backyard. What kind of footprint is that? Like what, how, what kind of size yard? How, what, is, what is like the ideal setup for what I should have for five chickens? So that's a great question. So, um, so 93% of counties in the U.S. allow backyard chickens. So like Dallas is a good example. They typically say, typically say you can have five hens, but not a rooster type deal. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't annoy your neighbors. And most people don't know, or actually a lot of people know, but people are getting confused. Like you don't need a rooster for chickens to lay eggs. No, people don't. I don't think people often think about like the reproductive I, habits or like processes. And so it's until you think about it, you don't really think about it. In terms right. of like your average coop, like think of like a deep freezer, like the size of like a deep freezer in your garage. That's about the size of an average coop. So if, if you have the square footage, it, it basically our, our goal is to say, if you have any backyard, you, you should be raising chickens. Or any outdoor space yeah. that is like... You if know, you're in an apartment, it's probably going to be hard. But if you have a backyard, like basically you're good to go. Actually, it's funny. I haven't told you this. I got an email to our like general info at on our website today. And it's this guy. He lives in the Mission District in San Francisco. And he has a rooftop green space. And he's turfing it. And he was he's like... putting chickens up there? Yeah, he wants to put chickens up there. And he was like, I don't know. Can you do that? Yeah, and you I can. Like, That's you funny. Can. I haven't... We haven't thought about... No, no, you can. Rooftops. You can. <laughs> And, but it's really, if you have any, any sort of green space at all, it could be a tiny side yard, you can have chickens. And then for kind of the amount of chickens, we say the family, one chicken per family member is a pretty good place to start. And like, how much room do they need to roam? Some people actually raise them, think of it like as a cage. It's called a run, like a chicken run. Mm. Some people actually raise them and keep them 100% in the... So imagine taking like your refrigerator in your house and turning it sideways. That's about the volumetric space you would need. Mm. Some people raise chickens exclusively in that. I'm personally not in that camp. Like I actually love letting them free range and like there are more predator risks. But I I would say in terms of like... If you have a 20 foot by 20 foot square, if you have a 20 by 20 square yard, like that's actually, I don't want to say it's more than enough, but it is enough space for chickens to like go out and have a bowl. Like I, I, I fenced in a part of my backyard for them. They have like a ton of food, ton of insects. They eat a bunch of grass. They're like the best fertilizer. uh, Yeah. They're like the best fertilizing things ever. So if you have a garden, it's like, They'll eat, they'll eat your plants, but <laughs> their poop is some of the most nutrient dense material, the way they process food. And so it's like, it just, it's the ecosystem and it's constantly, yeah. you know, we sound like crazy chicken people because we are, but it's just <laughs> we'll be it, crazy Texan chicken. Yes. People. But it, so this is, you know, leftover slop basically from dinner. It's, you know, some salad, some chopped up some quinoa, blah, blah, blah. Throw it all in a bag. This is Bob's Steakhouse. They eat 
everything and anything, they're composting machines. So there's all oh. these other ancillary things you don't really think about. We haven't thrown out a scrap of food in years. years. And then that's creating like there it's more protein rich. So the eggs are richer. So it all just feeds it. And then the, you know, they're the yard is more fertilized. They're they're just like they're little machines. You, you meant you mentioned predator risk. So help me understand. So like in terms of just like urban and suburban application. I get it rural, you know, there's, there's foxes, there's coyotes, you know, eagles, all that kind of stuff, hawks. What, what, what does it look like from a suburban standpoint? Are we talking literally like cats and like, what is it like? Uh, that's a great question. So suburban wise. So some cats, so like I, I have a, I have a Bengal cat. She's like the most amazing cat ever. She doesn't, she doesn't care at all about chickens, but Honestly, from a suburban standpoint, your two main predators are raccoons at night. So like they, they want to get in, they don't care about eggs. They actually care about eating the chickens oh, wow. and, and then hawks during the day. Like it's rural areas where, where I am. So I'm like outside of Austin, like near Lake Travis, like it hundred percent is foxes, coyotes, people like I'm making up a state, but like Ohio, they're, they're worried about animals that we're not worried about. Like just badgers. We're not yeah. worried about armadillos. We're not, but like yeah. the so, liking. But it's it's honestly, it's like the the number one thing that like ruins people that are raising backyard chickens are for sure. It's it's raccoons at night and hawks during the day. Well, and it's a traumatic event. And dogs, like in like na- neighborhood dogs is a big deal, but it's raccoons, raccoons and hawks. So and you just like, hawks, the- like raccoons you can build up like fences, you can like dig posts underground so they can't burrow underneath. Hogs are hogs are a little bit tricky. I, I have some ideas for them, but I don't think we're gonna release them for a while. Can you just like have a wire mesh like ceiling almost for the yeah. hawks? Or like can they get through that? Or no, I think it looks a little sketch. Like you can hundred yeah. percent can do that. And then you can do like lines of tinsel and then it looks like mm. it's, it looks like you're throwing a kid's birthday party. <laughs> it's like for the crumbs. basically actually so my idea and this is not something we're launching right now but my idea is so we're building camera systems so we have a camera inside the coop and a camera outside of the coop and i don't think we've talked about this publicly and so with the camera systems we're doing a ton of computer vision work so it'd say like hey jeff raccoons detected all all hens are safe shutting the door now mm. or or it'd say like hey ben five eggs are laid, like you should come collect them. So we're doing, we're already building like the computer vision and ML models for this. And what I want to do is build like a, a turret basically that's plugged into a garden hose that is running the same ML model, different ML models, but you get this, you get the thing. And so when a hawk comes in, it actually like sprays water. You can't actually shoot them directly. Hawks, <laughs> hawks never are, this yeah, so hawks are protected under the Migratory Birds Act and like you can like, <laughs> Anti-aircraft to protect your chickens. This is a surface-to-air missile battery for for chickens. This is incredible. Appreciate it. Yeah. So that's that's literally five years away, but it's coming. Like it's for sure coming. So with all this high-tech gizmo, you know, even with the price of eggs, I can go out and buy twelve eggs for let's just say six dollars, which is aggressive. But the national average. Okay, seven fifty national average. What's what's the weekly cost all in that you'll charge me to kind of do all in chicken servicing? That it's a trick question because it's a la carte services. So if you the answer is would it be cheaper to raise your own chickens and get backyard to table like eggs? The answer is 
unequivocally yes. But if you're if you're paying someone a hundred bucks to come clean your coop once a week, will it be cheaper? Probably not. But um, also just the same way as it would have been cheaper to like hack your own home security system, too, right? There's all these different or like build your own home fitness studio versus getting a Peloton or you mm-hmm. know your own connected IoT security system versus having something that's fantastic technology, high quality, beautiful design, if I do say so myself. And you know, and it makes it turnkey, but also immediately starts delivering value. I'm making up a number and you can, you're welcome to hold me to it. I would say, I'd say it's probably going to be like 20 to $25 a week uh, to raise, to raise, call it five hens with our system. And that includes like food service and everything. Well, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. Help, help us help our listeners understand if you would, just because I think it's going to be new to a lot of people. What kind of market size are we talking about? Help us understand what the market looks like, at least in the United States. Jeff is trained to be a VC on the side, by the way. That's exactly right. Yeah. Are you doing any investing or? No, but we're going to walk through your waterfall here in a second too. So just okay. That's a joke. That's a joke. No, no, well, no, no. So, so, I, so I've actually, with our last company, I, we, we raised, uh, Jordan and I raised like tens of millions of dollars. So we, in venture capital. So like, I'm way too familiar with, with the system and we we've raised a little bit of VC for, for this. Oh, so the market there's not like a census data. There's really not even if you look 3% at three percent of America raises chickens right now, and I want to get it to twenty-five percent is the is the is, okay. is, is the short of it. And I, I think that's pretty conservative because there's really not you kind of that's an amalgamation of like you know sales data and there's really not a singular there's not a census, there's not like an actual number. So we think that's pretty conservative. It's it's one of those things, once you kind of become a chicken person, they're everywhere. You're like, oh, you realize that you probably have neighbors that have chickens. You've just never, they don't think you're a chicken person. So it's never come up in conversations. It's way more prominent and way more popular. I can speak, AJ's raised chickens for 15 years. I'm new, newer to being a chicken person. I've had them by proxy. We lived in corporate housing out in California. So I lived around his chickens. But I've never had them. And so, but now that I'm so deeply in it and such a deep chicken person, they're everywhere. I have, you know, I've lived on the same street. My parents have lived on the same street and now 25 years and neighbors that I've known most of my life, like, oh, I have chickens. And I was like, how has this not come up? Hmm. So it's, it just, once you kind of step into it, it's all around. And then you really, I mean, it's super easy, you know, the, the tilt of going crazy chicken person and really being being so like in a good way champion of it, it's quick because then you the the value add starts fast and then you're like I just made have you had a farm fresh egg like one that is truly like yeah it's how yeah. it's legendary it's like it feels like it's saturated in butter and it's not right it's just like so nutrient dense it's so fresh and. Once you start, you know, kind of awakening to all of those other benefits, and then you see your kids running out in the morning and collecting the eggs and feeding the chickens and learning about the cycle of life, and then you know your your house is a composting machine. Your you know your lawn looks great because it's you know chicken poop everywhere. It really is. It's 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 really magical, and um, we just we can help you know twenty percent of the population. That's our small dent on the world and help. Which is hilarious, it. by the way. It's oh, it's like hilarious. 3%, 3% to 20% is a big jump. Well, all of it is hilarious, but <laughs> we can help make that happen for a subset of the world. That's awesome. And maybe we'll take down big poultry. Who knows? But uh, I was going to ask, is having chickens a gateway drug to anything? Any other crunchy behaviors? 
That is a really good question. So we get this question most of like, what's the next, you know, how do you, <laughs> what is the gateway drug for poop after this? But it sort of is from personal experience, it makes me more aware. Mm. It's me more aware of food and like, I lived in California for 10 years. I think I'm pretty knowledgeable about nutrition and ingredients and like what's good, what's bad, but it just, it's another degree of awareness. And then the, the composting aspect of it. And just, it really does. This is going to sound so like floofy hot air, but feeling like you, like you're farming your own land and your land is your backyard. There is something innate, like it just feels very awesome. I, I think I think actually the gateway drug, I think tomatoes are the gateway drug to chicken. Or like cilantro. <laughs> I think I think I think people people that are doing like either community gardens or backyard gardens actually are immediately like, well, what can I do next? And they're they're probably not gonna want to raise meat. So you're probably not gonna raise raise like goats, rabbits, cows, or like stuff, chickens, like chick, for meat. Chicken, chickens for eggs are super easy. So have y'all I would imagine this might be a good selling point, especially for a state like Texas. Have you all looked into in terms of the number of chickens that it would take for a potential ag exemption for property tax? Is that a is that a selling point at all, or does it take a much bigger operation than I'm thinking about? I've one hundred percent looked into it personally. <laughs> uh, so, so at, at least in Texas, from my understanding, and I'm happy to be wrong on this, ag exemptions are granted on a ten acre or more basis. So Got it. Ten acres or more. And then, and then there's calculations for, and your, your listeners, I'm sure can correct me on the exactness of this. Cause I'm not going to be, I'll be directionally correct. The 10 acres or more, and then you're granted like eat cattle, goats, wh- whatever livestock you want per acre that the hack that some of my fellow Texans are doing mm-hmm. is actually, if you have 10 acres or more, if you have 10 beehives or more, you can cl- you can get the ag exemption, which is crazy. Like beehives are like, I'm a beekeeper and it's so easy to raise bees, but I would rather wait, raise bees than cows. And so like my buddies that have 10 acres more, they're like, yeah, dude, I just put 20 beehives on. A local beekeeper comes and takes care of them and I get the ag exemption. So that's, oh, that's, wow. that's, that's the, that's the, the heads up for your listeners yeah. to, if you have 10 acres or more, that's that's what you do. Bee sales in the Metroplex just skyrocketed by yes. the <laughs> my, my, the first The first job my brother and I had in college where it was beekeeping. So like we ran a beekeeping operation, which was which was hilarious. My brother-in-law does bees in Iowa, and unfortunately, they have yet to have a beehive survive the winter up there, despite their best efforts. It's hard, but every we go older is it disease? Uh, it's the cold, and they they do all the packaging and try to get the wind blocks and everything like that, and just hasn't happened yet. But they get tons of honey every year, and like getting him out there, he's like in his full costume, and like we actually saw one time when the the queen left the hive and like there was this massive movement another hive was formed it was, it was pretty amazing to watch it's, it's a remarkable hobby yeah i think what you're describing could be wrong it's called swarming yes, yes. so like i had a hive in the backyard of a house that we lived in in silicon valley and like my hive swarmed and i'm like watching hundreds of dollars of bees leave my house <laughs> another tree and i'm like yes i gave you the i gave you the resort of beehives <laughs> So speaking of resort of beehives, walk, can you walk us through the, the chicken coop of the future? Like what what's special about it? Yeah, so it's beautiful. Question. So we we haven't haven't talked about it or shown it publicly a ton. That's about to change just because we've still been in 
R&D grind and money. We have spent over 10,000 hours designing and engineering this, not for our pleasure, but for chicken pleasure. Like, is the circumference of the bars they stand on optimal for a mid-sized bird? So we, we, you know, we've announced, we've talked about the actual, the hardware enough, but we haven't, like, no one's seen a picture of it. And that's not because we think we're Elon mm. Musk or anything. It's just really labored over every single decision. But imagine if Apple, Peloton, you know, design, you know, excellence across the board, hardware design excellence, they created a chicken coop. So, and then that same technology, well, not, you know, Apple level technology, but one day is operating for you. And it just feels like it fits into your life. Oh, you know, it feels native on your phone, but it's aesthetic that we've set is this down on the farm charm meets like modern backyard design. So we want it to feel, if you're having a backyard dinner party, people are like, that is so beautiful, but it feels like I'm also on the farm with my grandparents. So it's, you know, we can get into some of the materials, but it's. The goal, the goal is like, how do you enable everyone to have the world's best chicken coop in their backyard? What would it look like? It, it looks amazing. <laughs> it has to be, right? It can't be, you know, kind of a hodgepodge. Like, and, you know, we want it to feel like a, like a pride point and something that you are proud of to have in your backyard. And uh, but yeah, it's, it's about the side. Yeah, if you take a fridge, turn it on its side. That's the. We point. need to find a better analogy. Can you guys help us find a better? No, you just being. Of, you know, kind of. There's like a your, lot of hardware. Is there? There hardware can be a rat race. Yeah. So we had to be from good advising, pretty a little cagey about the actual specs and the actual like what's going into Gen One. But it'll have you know 24 seven camera, indoor outdoor, attached run, automatic door that you can set sunrise sun sun you know sunrise sunset, and it's beautiful. We the main color is what we call coop coral. This this doesn't really pop on camera, but it's um, it's like a beautiful charcoal, and then there's accents of coop coral, and it looks like a. We're basically excited to show the world this in in 58 days. Yes, we have 58 a count- days. I think y'all should have like a. You both should just like don black turtlenecks and just go full Steve Jobs. You know what I mean? Like when this coop comes out, you know what I mean? What's funny is the design firm we've worked with probably for the last 18 months is the original design firm for Google Nest thermostats. I would I would be I would say get ready in 58 days. It's hilarious and it's beautiful and it's literally the world's best chicken goop. So- and, and I think it's, I think people are going to like come out and try. I really think people are going to love it. And so, well, we, I mean, and if they don't, right. then we just have the world's best chicken. Yeah. Then we just stuff. own the most expensive <laughs> chicken coop in the world and we'll like get a Guinness book of world record or something. So y'all mentioned at the outset that maybe up to 50% of chickens died in the cold snap we had here. Is this coop have some sort of insulation where in Texas, for instance, you have three days of sub-zero temperatures or sub-32 temperatures? Like how are the chickens protected in cold weather? The answer is yes. There's there's insulation for Texas and then there's like heating options if you mm. North Dakota. Okay. Which I don't recommend anyone to go to North Dakota, by the way. I've, as someone who's been there a couple of times, Why do you stay, in, stay in Texas. That's where we, the Texas National Wrestling, or not Texas, oh. the National Wrestling Championships. Of course it is. Were in, in Fargo, North Dakota. But you're going to have to chicken check me on this, but I think it's more dangerous for chickens to be in like 107. Yeah, he, he, he killed chickens more than cold. So, well, okay. Oh. So I, that, that was actually going to be my next question. So that, so, you know, very similar to the the power generation industry, like, you know, right after Winter Storm Uri, our plants, our natural gas plants are designed. Uri? 
that was the that was the big storm here two Februarys ago or so, right? Sure, I, didn't, I didn't know his name Yuri. Then. Did I miss that? Yeah, we were skiing. <laughs> no, I no, I was. You're rescuing your chickens. That's what was happening. I missed the name. I missed the name. I didn't know that. It yeah, was Yuri. Yeah. Is, Yuri is. yeah, that. Yeah, that's kind of what what they refer to it as. But you know, the power here in Texas, our natural gas plants are designed to operate in ambient temperatures of you know 120 degrees, right? It's you know, and so what we whereas in places like Minnesota and the Dakotas, you know, their generation plants are literally in a massive building, is and ours just aren't operated. So I guess my question is. If that's the case for chickens, are there going to be cooling mechanisms as well in these in these coops? This is actually really funny that I get to talk about this because I think it's hilarious. So the average chicken ambient body temperature is called 106 degrees. And so like the number one thing they need is a ton of water because they're basically little miniature heaters that just need water. They just need water. So heat kills chickens because they don't have access to fresh water to keep cooling themselves, drinking and just running it through them. Cold, like cold winter, snow, freezing temperatures, whatever, kills chickens because their water freezes and they can't drink water. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So like, if you want to keep chickens alive in the winter, you make sure their water doesn't freeze. That's like the number one thing before putting like a heat lamp on them. They don't care about the heat lamp. They care that their water's not frozen. The heat lamp is a nice bonus, but if you remember there was no water in Texas. So, yeah. so you literally like for heat, extreme heat kills way more chickens than, than cold does. Like chickens love snow. Like they just walk around in snow, do all their chicken stuff. I think they're tiny dinosaurs. So yeah, they're... Yeah. <laughs> Oh. It basically just comes down to giving them water. Uh, and then the water and warmth. Like, honestly, when we were with, with Yuri, like, that was what, a week of like 15 degrees? Like, that sucked. It was terrible. I mean, yeah, they, they, some didn't make it, but they can in extreme temperatures. It's not, their body temperature is not what succumbs to it. And yeah. Narco has, you know, it's double walled, like ventilation, but also insulation. And so it'll moderate temperatures and kind of both of the extremes. And yes, it absolutely winters from Yuri absolutely did suck. I will continue to be in years of therapy about it. So yeah, it, it was not great. Dude, you and me both spent I spent like you know a lot of people had it way worse than me, but like all my water pipes burst and I spent oh, I was man. like out in the cold redoing PVC for, for probably five days. Like it was Did you was, did you have to move out of your house? Or, I mean, is it like are you did you have to remodel? Uh, they were all outdoor. Luckily I didn't have to. It was all outdoor pipes. And like my plumbing system's like way too exposed. It certainly didn't happen as bad as most of our fellow Texans, but it was it was terrible. Yeah. We are this would probably be interesting to you, Jeff. We my house in Dallas is on the Presby Hospital grid. Oh yeah. So we have never lost power. Sure. Not once. And so we had, you know, we had a few people. When I got back from Breckenridge, I walked in, I was like, oh, there are some bodies here. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows to come to our house when, if there's severe weather, because we- Everyone's know. standing in your driveway with their iPhone chargers, you know? Exactly, exactly. But happy to do it. You know, we just got lucky. <laughs> so I want to shift gears a little bit. Chicken conversation is actually fascinating. We can probably go for hours on this. But you guys moved from California to Texas. I'm curious why the move and how have you found it? Well- we're obviously both from here and oh okay I don't yeah. obviously we're well both. we're both from here and so okay. we, both we, get, Texans. we like to check we're not californians we're not okay people. you're not true imports like, you left don't for a while. try and taint them that way i want to i want to highlight don't california <laughs> my texas <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, are, we are texans just came back from california i see i see okay but you know honestly i think for me, COVID accelerated what probably wouldn't have happened, even though it was our goal to get back to Texas, probably 10 years earlier than we could have. And so it's now, especially being in an ag business, like this is the absolute perfect place to build a company 
from just the having a brand that, you know, on the bottom of our website, we could say homegrown in Austin, Texas. That's super powerful to this co- to this audience that I think is, you know, things that are built in their backyard. I think it just resonates. And then I don't know what... I love being back. (laughs) No, I would say California is great. Texas is just so much better. I like love it here. The people are better. The cost of living is better. Like the cost of energy is better. Politics aside, like I just love Texas so much. Like I love Texans like thousand times over and over. You can get me. I'm gonna go full Rick Perry on you, man. I'm gonna be excited. That was that was pretty. But it's like we we were there for like ten years. Okay, yeah, I have like the map on it, but. There's California is so, you know, it, the land of opportunity, the reason Silicon Valley exists, like the entrepreneurial dream, that is where the spirit is. That is so crucial. And like the time in our careers, we were there. I mean, we feel like we timed it perfectly. But there is something to be said about it's very manufactured in a lot of ways. And like mm. relationships, business to personal to romantic are very much built on what can you do for me? Nothing else. Mm. Texas, I feel like it's that, but also this deep, desire to help out your neighbor you Mm -hmm. talk to everybody in the starbucks line and that that might sound like a little cliche like we're friendly here but there is something woven into the fabric of culture here that just makes life awesome and like i think i had forgotten it a little bit i was back here all the time but until you are really truly back immersed in culture and like just the opportunities that have come so there's just something to be said and you know what I heard this once on a podcast that was, you know, Silicon Valley or San Francisco is the city built by introverts. And so that is how the city has had has accelerated and has like not evolved, but continued on. And so the value of, you know, deep relationships and really helping each other out, being a connector of people, it's just not the stock price isn't as high for that versus mm-hmm. business transactional relationships. And so of course, networking needs to be transactional and like relationships in business have to be transactional in some degree. But I think being back in an environment that really is neighborly and, you know, there's that down on the farm charm a little bit. It's been wonderful to be back. And I think really good, especially for our business and especially right now. So it's it's funny that you mentioned that. So it's funny thing I shared with y'all earlier, we moved around a bunch growing up. And so growing up here in Texas, and then I actually ended up doing high school in Northern California. And it's just funny, my California friends, we'd be driving around and I would just instinctively, you'd be driving by somebody walking on the sidewalk and I would just instinctively wave. And my California friends would be like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I'm like, well, I'm just saying, hey. I'm like, do you know them? I'm like, no, you know, I mean, it's just how, how it goes. But I guess my, my question would be for you all, kind of coming from from tech backgrounds it is and tell me if i'm wrong here but do you all get the sense that california has kind of lost its monopoly on tech talent because i feel like in addition you know it used to be kind of silicon valley was ground zero for tech talent and it probably still very much is today i do get the sense that you know certainly places like like austin has almost become silicon valley 2.0 and then even places like dallas and then almost, you know, to a lesser extent, you know, places like Atlanta and other places are really becoming good beacons for for tech talent. Do you think, one, is that the case? And two, do you think it's because people are very much like you all looking for a change? I think, one, the the prestige and everything of Sand Hill Road, 
will that will sand sand hill road for those that don't know is like it's like sax is it sax fifth avenue road yeah it's like fifth avenue of fifth avenue vc so all like the glitz and glam vcs and when you go do a sand hill route you're doing like your you know your big fundraising you're going you're really shooting for the start it's like i-35 everybody's favorite road (laughs) as a baylor grad love it but i think that will hold its valor for a very long time but i think really hate to talk about COVID accelerated trends. I think it's such a tired narrative, but I do think it accelerated what was happening. This move away for many reasons, lifestyle, you know, quality of life, cost of living that, you know, people want people that have, you know, some degree of success. They've woken to, okay, I don't have to pay $9,000 a month in rent to live, you know, to be engrossed in tech, I can live in Atlanta and have a really good quality of life. Like anything, we'll see in five years, this is going to look very different, like what the snapback is going to be. But I do think it is, it's losing its throne. It's not losing its throne. Its throne is being dispersed. The throne being Silicon Valley and revered as it was, which probably, I read this, something about COVID, like, VC spending, how it, you know, or VC investment, how it happened, what COVID did to it. And somebody was like, we probably needed to chill, right? Like we probably needed something to like gut check us a little bit. And so I think that just, it's just not, it doesn't have to be at the hive and it's just opened up new, you know, for companies and people alike. Like I'm, I don't know if I'll ever go into an office again, which is crazy. And I am, a, I've been in tech my whole career. And so, and I live in Texas. I live in Dallas. Well, I, I live in Corsicana most of the time. We're, we're probably going to open a pretty sick coop office. So Jordan's going to come. I in don't know. I think you're looking at the coop office. My <laughs> <laughs> living room. So, uh, so yeah. I, there. I mean, that's kind of like a non-answer answer. I think a lot of factors went into it, but I, you know, I don't think we knew how how dispersed it could be until something accelerated it, and now it's clearly working. And the next turn of the crank of this stuff will just look different. Well, let, let's circle up after this because I, I want to make sure that that Coop headquarters is in the Encore Service territory. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Business development right here. Well, on that note, how can we or our listeners be helpful? I know you have a launch coming up soon. Where can they check you out? Where can they find out more about Coop as we close out this conversation? So right now our, our website's at coop.farm. So the, it's literally www.coop.farm. We don't talk much about the, the hardware. So, well, we don't talk much about the hardware that we're launching. So if anyone's interested, check that out. If it, Also, like Jordan and I are incredibly open. So like emailing us at like aj at coop.farm or jordan at coop.farm. Open it, literally, right, please. It'll literally come right to our inbox. We are looking like we were a team of two people I don't know, six months ago, and now we're probably like six or eight people right now. So like, we are looking for awesome people to join us. So if, if this resonates with anyone, like for sure, reach out. And then we'll likely be like launching publicly our, our product, the world's best chicken coop to democratize chickens. We'll launch that probably in 58 days at South by Southwest in Austin, where we're both based. And overall, I'd say, I'd say we had like a blast tonight. Love what you're doing on like promoting Texas and and Texans and like I think it's incredibly incredibly cool and we're both Texans but like we we love Texas like this is awesome I think that like, I want to get you guys as many love that we get chicken get, people yeah, yeah. And chicken. <laughs> I have, I'll link the AJ mentioned our website it's just www.coop.farm and then you know democratizing chickens when I came on board and he was like okay yeah here's what you know here's our website that I just created really quick 
and it <laughs> all it said is let's put chickens on Mars. And I was we like, well, are- <laughs> I, I think we're working. With <laughs> Actually, how we, how I think a great way to end is. The end goal of the company is to partner with SpaceX to like uh, build automated agriculture systems for the moon and Mars colonies for SpaceX. Wow. For, for both chicken protein and mainly eggs. But yeah, we're, we're going to do that. So let me let me just say, I and I'm blessed to do a lot of these. This is hands down one of my favorite conversations that, oh, that we've had. No, 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 I'm dead serious. Just because I think uh, one, it's I heard that, you I, say that on the last no. one. <laughs> I did. I say it every time. No, no. No, I say because genuinely, like one, I, I love learning new stuff, right? And and it, and but two, more importantly, I just think it's so cool to see cool people that are really doing innovative things, but not just innovative things, things that are innovative that also you know fall in line with their passion. So I I think that's cool. No, that this was y'all you questions. Like the conversation, everything was awesome, and I need y'all's addresses because I am coming back to Dallas in three days with lots of farm fresh eggs for both of you. So yes. outstanding. Um, have to be hand delivered. I can't ship eggs, but um, do you know what those will go for on the black market? Are you? Kidding? I, I know. Maybe <laughs> black market I eggs. Offer. They're hitting Facebook Marketplace after this. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this was awesome, and you know, yeah, go Texas. That's a good Texas. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. It was, it was a pleasure talking with y'all. And please check them out at, at coop.farm. Thank you for listening to another episode of Texas Rising with Jeff Bailey and Ben Coleman. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, that's it for us this week. And remember, folks, keep on the straight and narrow. Don't mess with Texas, and we'll see you next week on Texas Rising.